0: Welcome, everybody. John's going to do the read for us because he hasn't memorized.
1: The Lock Draft Podcast is brought to you by Fresh Apparel Printing. Have a band and want to sell merch? Fresh Apparel Printing can create your custom embroidery order with literal pinpoint precision. Use the promo code DRAFT and save 10% on all your embroidery needs. Again, the promo code DRAFT. On to the show.
0: Wow. Under the show hey 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 I'm just a no one with nothing to give you at all like Tom Jones said Dougie Ferguson John Pugliese on the mic nationwide west black draft podcast what's good guys my dude Dougie we're good back at it let's go yeah we're back at it the NBA has been hot 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 so we have a wheel to spin to talk about NBA topics to start off the show um a lot going on. It's hilarious. I love it. I love it. It's turning into the soap opera it used to be, guys. I really, mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually enjoying watching the NBA more than college basketball for the first time in about uh, good, like, since the Jordan era, probably. So, Wes, spin that wheel. Yep, got the
2: wheel here. Let's see the first topic we land on. The underperforming start to the season by the Los Angeles Lakers and how that affects them going into next year.
0: Um, Don, you want to start? I don't. I don't. I don't really consider it underperforming, if you ask me. Um, I, I think Tyson Chandler, as you saw him beat Trey Young into um, back into his mother's womb at the end of the game, is a huge. Uh, is a huge addition to them because they couldn't stop me, you, me, John and nationwide West on a three on three break. Um, and I think they're going to be just fine this year. Uh, I don't don't think they're winning anything. I think that's been, I I don't know, John, do you, do you disagree with that? Are, are are they still winning something this year?
1: I don't, I mean, listen, like, I think no matter what, I think the team competes at the end of the year and and is in a position to make some sort of run. What that run is, I think is totally dependent on, you know, how this team continues to formulate, but there haven't been many teams that LeBron's been on when he's gone back to an organization with the Cavs or when he went to Miami that have clicked right away. And I don't think that should be, this should be surprising to anybody. Um, but they also have some like intricacies within what they're doing. I mean, You got to remember, Rondo and Ingram missed three, four games. So that set them back. Then they brought in Chandler, which is a whole other addition. Um, You know, they're trying to find time for Land Stevenson and where he fits. Then Lonzo Ball. You've got Kuzma who's emerging. So, like, I give this team until the All Star break to figure it out. And then I put them in the top half of the West. Um, I don't think they win it, I, you know, or win anything in particular. I just think they, you know, have a have a run to a top four seed, and um, you know, they'll they'll uh, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, Lakers are one thing, but like, let's talk about the Rockets, or let's talk, you know, like Lakers. Well, are at least a new team here.
0: Well, what what I'll say is that I think they're going to play their way into relevancy. If if you want to bring up next year. I think that they're giving enough... They're showing enough that of what they have that there's some place that somebody might want to go. And uh, a lot of the moves that Rob Planka made were much maligned. Everybody thinks you have to surround LeBron with shooters. It's clear he only needs Kyle Kuzma. Um, and they decided to make it around playmakers. And that is a success story that's worked kind of it, 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 it's it's not bad to have a lot of playmakers on your team there the ball can be passed as many times there's not a limit on passing the ball as long as you don't you know run out the shot clock i guess but like i i think the premise that they needed to sh- surround lebron with shooters has turned out to be kind of false and that these guys, Lance Stevenson won them a game, I can't remember which which morning at 6 o'clock in the morning I was up with my son watching the Lakers play, but Lance Stevenson won them a game with like uh, a 10-0 run on his, on his own, it was a couple weeks ago, it was probably right after we did our last show, I'm bluffing on the team, but um, I mean so they have guys that can make plays they got guys that can go out and get buckets, um Ingram coming back is interesting to me cuz he looks like he's taking on some defensive responsibilities uh out on the wing which is very important as LeBron ages to me because I don't think uh, they've they already are cutting back his minutes and they're going to not need they're going to need him not to be I'm going to go out and stop he he's not going to go out and stop Derrick Rose you know, in game five of the finals anymore. They can't depend on that. So, you know, maybe they get somebody like Kawhi Leonard or something like that next year to do that. But it's nice to see Brandon Ingram stepping up to do that. Lonzo Ball looks good and this looks like it could be like a showtime team. And the prophetic John Paglisi, uh, said it right at the beginning of the year. This is not a bad team. This is not a team that's gonna be competing for the eight seed, I don't think.
1: No, I, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. I, the interesting piece for me is how Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, and LeBron all can play on the floor at the same time while, you know, trying to figure that whole all out. Because Kuzma and Ingram, if LeBron aren't around, are both 15 to 22 point-a-game guys, um, and... With LeBron there, there's a bit of a log jam, um, you know. So, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out I, because um, I like both those guys as young players. Kuzma's obviously a different kind of guy than Ingram is, mm. um, but he s- stretches it a little bit. I, I don't know. We'll see. But I give it to the all-star break. Let's wait it out.
0: I'm, I'm seeing, though, that as LeBron gets older, he's 34 years old now, I, I remember – telling people that he hasn't hit his prime yet. Now he's officially leaving his prime. You know, he's not going to be 25-point-a-game-a-night guy. So, you know, the 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 scoring load is going to have to be dispersed a little bit. But what he will be able to do is use his basketball IQ to get those guys the ball in the spots that they needed. I've seen him do it with Kuzma in the corner. I've seen him do it with Ingramon Lobs already. Several times, multiple times. So, uh, you know, uh I'm 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 not familiar as to the basketball mind of how he does that. My mind only goes with Bobby Knight and John Wooden. We're the only ones that are simpatico. Uh John uh LeBron James has an Ohio basketball mind. So we're a little different, but um anyways, spin the damn wheel again. That's one plus word. Half a cuss word. I'm counting the damn things myself.
2: What ended up being the season finale of Jimmy in Minnesota turns into the season premiere in Philly tonight. Does that help or hurt the Sixers moving forward? Uh, John? Um,
1: I mean, I think adding Jimmy Butler to the Sixers is a win for the Sixers. I don't, you know, I mean, he's... A top, I, I don't know, twelve player in the NBA and um, a guy who can get a basket. Um, he puts takes pressure off some of the other guys that they have and adds an all star. So yeah, I don't, I, like I think it's great for the Sixers. You take that, especially giving up Covington and would they give up Sarge? I mean, like that. Okay, like Wait, I watched. Sign,
2: yeah.
0: sign I, me up. I watched Robert Covington play for the Illinois Ice, and if you would have told me he would be the centerpiece of the trade of the year in the NBA in any year, like the Illinois Ice, they're like the eighth best team in Chicago. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so like I I I mean I saw him; he's a dog, and I saw I was like, that's I mean he's a nice nice player, but. If you ever told me he's going to be... I guess I guess Sarge is the centerpiece. But I'm more interested in Tom Thibodeau uh, as the executive and how we see time and time again how this doesn't work. And we need to stop doing this with coaches and giving them complete autonomy. Um, it works in college when you have guys under you that are beholden to you basically um and the pros jimmy butler said fuck you tom thibodeau i will go wherever i want and you know and what really makes this a great thing for philadelphia is they are elite defensively now um they have kind of uh, Ben Simmons was an elite defender last year. His, his defensive metrics have gone down a little bit. Wes, I don't know if you can if you can look where he is in defensive efficiency, uh, but i th- I look at I look at Ben Simmons as kind of a Swiss Army knife on defense and a giant matchup problem on offense. And kind of you know Ben Simmons if he wants to guard Jalen Brown, say if they're guarding, if they're playing the Celtics. And Jimmy wants to take Kyrie or whatever. If, if, if Jimmy wants to take Gordon Hayward, whoever's getting hot, Jimmy's a lockdown defender too. So um, I'm interested in why they didn't take the four first-round picks. That is another reason I would assume that Tom Thibodeau shouldn't be running personnel because that seems like an awfully better offer than Dario Sarge and Robert Covington, who, by the way, is... Like, I could see him saying, "Robert Covington, yes, please, please, right now." I will run his knees into the ground as fast as I can. So yeah, like uh, I, I, I've long been. I, I was a, I was not happy when they gave it to Doc Rivers. He immediately did it. Did the nepotism route. Tom Thibodeau is immediately doing exactly the opposite of what's good for his organization. And, um, yeah, and the Sixers are now real contenders. I didn't really think they were contenders until they got Jimmy Butler. Now they're contenders in the East. Agreed?
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Ben Simmons' defensive rating uh, went from 102.2 to 105.5, so it actually went up, okay. but his offensive rating is down. 108
0: to 103. Yeah. Or something like that. I'm running on low sleep today, guys. So I might drop an F-bomb here or there that's just falling out of my mouth. Uh, spin that damn wheel. You guys got like an umpire quicker for how many times I swear? I my know. noggin. I got, it. I, got it in
1: my, I got it in my head right yeah. now.
0: Because that thing only goes up to four. I guess you could get strikes and then that'll be seven. But Wes, what's the topic?
2: The topic is the current
0: state of the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard moving forward. Well, I'll say this. That play where Kawhi kind of fell on the floor and did every coach's dream and every coach's wet dream in the same exact play, getting on the ground and being that long and athletic to be able to make that play. Um, and it, it seems to have lit a fire under Serge Ibaka too, which is a big thing. And Kyle Lowry. Um, I I heard somewhere where they were comparing the big threes now of Toronto and Philly and That's where I heard the efficiencies. Ben Simmons is 50. Kyle Lowry is 30. Mm. Serge Ibaka is is like two spots above Jimmy Butler. So um, whatever Kawhi Leonard is doing out there, he's making his teammates better, which is his reputation. John, the Raptors? Yeah,
1: Kawhi Leonard has done what he's always done. And I'm not going to call it overachieving because that would be a – Um, a slight on him. Kawhi Leonard's one of the best three players in the NBA. Um, He, in my opinion, is the most valuable of any player um, who plays his position, Um, and that's not only because of his ability to uh, make plays. It's also him on the defensive end, but it's also what he's done his whole career, which is not only be, be a glue guy, but be the best player. Um, and, and, um, I think that it's really easy to see here that what he brings to the table is something that most guys in the NBA can't. And that's a mentality that's of a different take than anyone else. And, and, um, no one does what he does on the defensive end. No one gives the kind of effort that he gives. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, I mean, the, the dude just caught a bad rap for what happened at the end with the Spurs. Um, but I want Kawhi Leonard if I'm starting an organization. I want Kawhi Leonard if I'm starting over. I want Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. as a cornerstone um, because he brings the most out of everyone. I believe that with because of Kawhi Leonard – the Spurs got more out of Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili at the end of their careers. Oh, yeah. And not not as much because of what they brought to the table, but because of what he brought to the table. And I think he's doing the same thing. I was going to use the same point. Serge Ibaka is a different player today than he was this time last year. And it's, for me, it's an energy and an efficiency standpoint that I've got to imagine he you know, just shows and – Kawhi's a, he listen. He's he's a quiet dude. Um, he's a bit of a silent type of guy. But you you rally around those types of guys when they get on the court and do what he does. He doesn't have to jaw and and be over the top. He can be Kawhi Leonard, and people follow him because of what he gives. So he caught a bad rap, but they're the best team in the East, in my opinion. Um, they win the East, in my opinion. If I was to decide today again. I'm really intrigued by where they are at the All Star break, um, but uh, man, they they look good, and, and in my opinion, it's because of of him. So,
0: I imagine Dwayne Casey going home after every Pistons loss and <laughs> like punching holes in the wall, and uh, like his his whole bedroom. His wife is like, you know, we're gonna have to redo the drywall in this whole house, or move, or something, like because. You know, they, they, his whole thing was that he couldn't get across to Demar Derozan, and Demar Derozan fell off, and and, and then they, and then they ship him out and get Kawhi Leonard, and then my man, uh, double T, he, uh, that fell right in his lap, luckiest man alive. So, don't you wish you got a coaching job like that? Go get on Dwayne Casey's staff in Detroit, John. <laughs> um, I'm good. No. Okay. <laughs> no, you could get me. I'll teach. I'll teach Andre Drummond footwork in the post. Come on, I will. I'm serious. All right, spin the wheel one more time, Wes. Uh-huh. Sounds like the Game of Life wheel.
2: Well, the story needs no introduction as it is the headline of the week, the current drama within the Warriors organization. And if that derails what I think is the eventual three-peat.
0: Um, I'm ready to start on this because I have, I have very strong views on this. Um, you do not do this to Draymond Green. Draymond Green. So if you're the Warriors, this is where I'm going with this. You built this organically through your masterful drafting. Uh, you did this without Kevin Durant. Uh, it, granted, they recruited him, and, you know, everybody should recruit the best free agents out there. But I'm going to go on record right now and call Kevin Gr- Kevin Durant a cupcake. If he is going to sit there and clash with the with the leader of the team, like he did with Russell Westbrook also... Um, who has just, just because they have a strong personality. And you know what? Draymond Green should have the ball in that situation. And if he deems worthy that Kevin Durant has the best option to score right there, then he's the leader in assists playing from the power forward and center spot. So he gets to make those decisions. He's the leader of that team emotionally. You do not trade Draymond Green. If anything, I'm looking for like, one-year rentals for Kevin Durant right now. if Because if, if Kevin Durant can't get over his pouting attacks, he's got to go. Like, and and I, I, I rarely, rarely could say that about any talent as good as Kevin Durant. But I, I, I like that this is juxtaposed against Kawhi Leonard, who just went to Toronto and he's going at it with a business-like approach. Doing what he's doing. You know, Dream, Kevin Durant knew what Draymond Green was when he came there. He So for him to get all bent out of shape because he didn't get it. That, that, that team is not built on bitching about shots and who's getting shots. And whoever whoever ruins that culture has to go from that team. I don't care if you're Kevin Durant. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan. That team is that team transcends players, and they have, not to mention, they have players that have played together longer, that can keep their streak alive very easily, and they can get a haul for Kevin Durant. So I don't know, John. Do you have a take on this? Because I am very pro Draymond on this side. Kevin Durant, cupcake.
1: Um. Wow. Oh. Um,
2: Unpack that I,
0: wasn't,
1: I, I wasn't expecting all of that. I'm I've got a lot of points, and they're mostly reactions to what you just said, so I'm going to try and formulate them real quick. Um, so
0: I'm here to listen.
1: First, first things first is, um, you're the only person in the world who would prefer Draymond Green to have the ball with five seconds left and have an opportunity to win the game. So, I I, I, I don't think you would have heard that take anywhere else but on the lock Draft podcast. So um, that's that's unique in itself because, because nobody on earth wants Draymond Green to have the ball with five seconds when it's not a drive and kick play. You're talking about a create play at the end of an NBA game. Um, and so I would value that potentially if there were – 12 seconds left, he came down, and he made a playoff in action because with Steph Curry out of the game, you have other guys who can make plays on the Warriors. That's what they're built on, but Kevin Durant is still the guy, and whether you like it or not, whether the Warriors want it this way or not, he's who you give the ball to at the end of a game probably still Steph Curry's in the game because he's six eleven, he can get a shot off against anyone and can do things with the ball that other people can't.
0: Now I'll say fair point in a vacuum. Yes. In a one Okay. A,
1: so but but but, but yeah. so so the other thing to think about in this whole thing is you're not talking about something that is over a uh multiple um multiple games. It's not something that's fester that you see often this was a reaction to the end of a game and so where i put that is i put that on on draymond and and the reason is because he is an emotional guy he's who he is but um the only reason it's in the position it is with him missing the game and getting fined is because of his reaction to it it's not because of the situation Dre, Kevin Durant made you know the the hand signals and that kind of stuff and that's one thing but let's be real like he's not the first guy to get upset at the end of the game for not getting the ball yeah. and so you know like the the reaction to it is what has prompted this now I think everyone in the NBA expects that Kevin Durant's going to go and test free agency and potentially sign somewhere else. I don't know that many people who think that, and I haven't read that many things that people are expecting him to come back. So for me, if you're the warriors, this is worst case scenario because you had to suspend this guy because of the the actions that he had. And he's probably the guy that you're going to get to resign anyway. And he's already going to ask for a max. Mm. So you're pissing off the dude who's an emotional leader who. Emotions got the best of them in this case, and you had to do something about it. And that sucks because Kevin Durant's probably going to walk at the end of this year. So I think it's a lot of stuff to be made about a singular incident. I also think that these are competitors who probably today or tomorrow or the next day are back to where they were before, which is pushing each other to be the best that they can possibly be. I don't think this affects them long term or winning games at the end of the year and potentially making another championship run. But I do think it's intriguing that they're probably going to lose KD anyway. So, um, they've got to do something about Draymond who they probably want to resign. And, you know, what does that do? Now, the thing about Draymond, obviously, is the Warriors are going to be able to pay him the most out of anyone, and Draymond wants to get paid. So when they lose Durant, they're going to figure out ways to make that happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, to me, it's a lot about a, a little. Um, you know, you're talking about dudes who have egos. And you know what? If I'm KD, and really if I'm any of his teammates, I'm probably like, hey, Draymond, like, you should just pass them the damn ball. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: we all want I mean, it. Yeah.
1: God. And, and it is one situation we're not talking about a case study over 10 15 games where right. they were at the end of, and and you know who got the ball and what was the outcome we're talking about a singular position so right. um, i i don't piss on your whole idea but i do uh disagree that i would want Draymond to have that ball in that
0: time i would have no yeah uh, i i agree it. with you in the singular moment yes that and that and that singular and that's singular play, but but the Warriors have always been a team that have looked at the big picture. And if they're looking at the big picture right now, they need to be worried about satisfying Draymond because Draymond will stay if they want him to stay. They can't really depend on that with Kevin Durant. And that goes for everybody else who's the core of their first championship teams. Steph will stay. Clay Thompson will Klay Thompson is the only person that I say is kind of iffy with that just because of his tenuous relationship with his dad and the Lakers. But, like, I'm pretty sure he wants to stay the Splash Brothers. And I think they could... I mean, and like it or not, I mean, Kevin Durant is the second best player in the world and maybe even the best player in the world right now. But if he leaves, they're going to find somebody... I, I don't want to say comparable to replace him, but good enough to where they are. I mean, I mean, they already have boogie cousins just mm-hmm. hanging out. So, you know, they're going to find somebody that's going to want to come and play. there. probably on the cheap. They're probably going to have to replace Andre Iguodala too. They're going to have to do that. So they're going to go wing shopping in the off season. Maybe they get a uh, Jalen Brown. Maybe they get Kawhi Leonard. Maybe they get whatever, you know, who knows what they get? They but they're going to get somebody. Somebody is going to be attracted to playing on the Warriors. And I'm going to
1: go as far yeah. to say that, that this is the last year that the Warriors win a championship. I don't. I, I think this is. Oh, no, I don't. The, say that I think this is the beginning. This is the beginning of the end, and not this singular moment by any means. But I think. This is the beginning of the end for their reign as the best team in the league. Um, You know, you've seen a lot more injuries. And Draymond's injury-prone. Like, that's the one thing, because of how he plays and his body. This is going back to him in college. Um, Draymond's got injuries that are going to be nagging. And, you know, the Warriors may take a two-year rehaul here where they have to do some things with younger players and keep, you know – uh, keep Clay Thompson around. You know, obviously Steph will be there, but um, you know, do some things where they're retooling a little bit because I think this is the end. And remember, Boogie's on a one-year deal, and he's not yeah. going to be able to play until after the All-Star break. He's not coming back. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm intrigued by this whole thing, but I don't think they win another championship after this year. Um, and I don't think Kevin Durant's around. I just, you know, we can move on. We believe at this point enough. But yeah. I, I do think that. It, it's a. Uh, it's intriguing. He's a cupcake. Yeah, well, say that to his face.
0: I will. I, I've, I've been around Kevin Durant. I ain't even scared of Kevin Durant. He he's got some reach on me, but I'll kick him. He's in a lot top. of reach on. You, bro. Yeah, a couple yeah.
2: inches, bro.
0: A couple feet is what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I was just doing. I was just just laying through wingspans this weekend. So yeah, he's got a couple feet. My wingspan's probably about eh, 5'10"-ish. So, uh, anyway, <coughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to Duke who has been anointed the new fab five. Jalen Rose was on get up, which is, uh, for people who've known me since I was a kid, Wes, uh, 10 years younger than me knows that the fab five is my favorite team. And I am so uh, like, nothing makes me happier. I thought that that nothing could beat, ever beat the TNT studio show until, like, the only thing that could do that would be Jalen Rose being a studio host on ESPN. I Like, I, even if they would have gotten Shaq, obviously that's in hindsight. But anyways, Jalen Rose says that Zion Williamson wouldn't start for the Fab Five, which... Um, I usually take Jalen's word as gospel, but that's just a bald-headed lie. Um, So, (laughs) um, is this the Fab Five? What are the differences between them? And, like, are they better than the Fab Five? Are they equal to the Fab Five? Are they worse than the Fab Five? Because, remember, throw Joey Baker in there. you got a Fab Five. got Ray Jackson right there. Yeah, but Joey Baker's not playing. Wait. Joey Baker's playing. He's on the damn roster. He hasn't played. He hasn't played. He hasn't played all year. He's redshirting. Oh, he's redshirting. Well, he's the recruiter. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. They're the Fab Five. Joey the, Baker. Here's
1: here's the Fab Five deal. Like Zion Williamson would have started for the original Michigan Fab Five. You can like uh, I don't care what you how you want to put it, but that's that's just the facts I and mean, he's not going to start instead of Chris Webber or Jalen Rose or Juwan Howard he's going to start with those three um
0: oh god look at that front line
1: Williamson and Howard and Weber. Oh it's god. and and so so <laughs> they're not the Fab 5 this isn't a Fab 5 team this is um a new age um small ball non-positional basketball team um and these guys the other thing to think about is – I just think the Fat Five thing is a thing in the past because um, these guys are at a much different level than anyone was 15 years ago um, with, you know, having Barrett as an international guy, with having Zion Williamson who's been – had, you know – all the accolades and all the hype since his first 360 in high school. This is just a different time. I don't think they're better by any means. I just think it's a different time. And they're also playing for Coach K at Duke, which is um, much different than playing at Michigan when those Fab Five went to Michigan. So um, I think we're in an interesting place. It's Coach K versus Steve Fisher. Um, and I love Fish. Um, a San Diego State fan. Yeah. And, and love what he did, but this is different. It It's an unnecessary discussion. It's like, you know, who would win one-on-one, you know, LeBron or Michael Jordan. It's just impossible to talk that conversation because they're different games at different times.
0: Maui's uh, loaded. Wes, can you look up Maui really quick? Because I think Gonzaga and Duke are on the same side of the bracket. Am I mistaken about that?
1: Auburn and Duke are
0: uh, – oh, yeah. And Duke and Gonzaga I, I and somebody else – it might be. Yeah, let's look up the the Maui field because it's going to be something you want to watch if you're interested in pro prospects. There, because there's probably going to be about a good twenty of them. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, also the, I mean this this is one of my favorite. I I like watching this time of the basketball year with the holiday tournaments mostly because yeah. I have more time than I do the actual NCAA tournament. I really do because best right. best time of year. Yeah, I get to eat turkey and and turkey lurkey D turkey, turkey, lurkey, turkey lurkey, da, lurkey da, All that stuff and then I just get to go vamp out on film. I did it last year. I watched uh Mo Bamba play Mo- Marvin Bagley. It was awesome. It was like the best day of my year last year. Um but anyways, I so with Duke um are you surprised John that they jumped Kansas? And, I mean, obviously not that they jumped Kentucky, but um, are you surprised that they jumped Kansas? They were number four in the poll. They also jumped Gonzaga, excuse me. So they jumped three teams. They were the number four team. They had an impressive win. Um, they had another impressive win right against, uh, I mean, they're, they're in the middle of, as we tape right now on a Wednesday night, holding Eastern Michigan, who is a top-tier MAC team, whatever that's worth, to 13 points in the first half. Um, are you at all surprised? I guess by the the AP voting, and are you at all surprised at how fast they're getting out of the gate? This this could be the best. I mean, this is looking to be the best recruiting class ever, right? I mean,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm surprised just because I don't. I'm seeing things out of Duke that I um I didn't expect to see so early. I'm also seeing like a ferociousness that you don't see out of freshmen. And so it was, it's a little bit surprising. Um, I'm not surprised that they're number one in the polls. Just they've gotten so much hype. They absolutely tore apart Kentucky who is widely widely regarded in, um, you know, in preseason polls, but preseason poll means very little. Um, and I think that's just the facts. I, I, Wait, try and wait to make any big decisions on rankings until the beginning of December. Um, because I want to see these tournaments play out, I want to see the first games get out through the way. I've been impressed with Kansas, I think DJ yeah. Lawson is the absolute perfect complement to um, as a bouquet. And you know, we've talked about them in the past and I've written articles about their high low stuff that Kansas yeah. ran has run in the past and I wasn't aware um, of
0: how good of a passer Lawson is. That
1: well, yeah. he's been he's been the real deal. Um and they've played very steady, you know, like they haven't been overwhelmingly exciting. They haven't been dominant even, but they have been very steady and very mature. Um, and where as Duke has been exciting and Prolific, and um, uh, you know they've demonstrated a different level of competitiveness that you just don't normally expect to see out of young guys. They're going to get popped in the mouth here. Um, at some point and, you know, it may very, very well be, um, in Maui or, or what, you know, it might not be until the ACC, but they're going to get popped in the mouth. They're going to play a 40 to 50 point game,
0: right. you know,
1: against Virginia, you know, there's going to the be some different title. Stuff. Yeah. So like, you know, I just right, think it's yeah. going to be a little bit different it and it
0: ain't happening against Virginia.
1: Well, and and, 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 so we'll see how it really runs, but, mm. um, you know they—they they are certainly exciting. They've changed my mind um, on a few things, um, and I know we're going to get into that. Um, but uh, I've been impressed.
0: Yeah, I. You know what? Um, I know how they rotate the the Champions Classic every year, and it's not it's not um, you know set up to be the best game. And I think on paper, people thought that Kentucky versus, Duke would be a better game but I would have loved to see them play Kansas because um, uh, first of all, what happened to Quade Green? Quade Green I I was surprised not to see him start first of all and I wouldn't be surprised to see him transfer because obviously they have lost I mean, he w- he was 1-1A in point guard rankings last year coming in with, with Trey Young, right? And and now he's being basically sidelined unless he's playing next to one of two freshmen. So, um, I don't know about that. Um, they're veterans. P.J. Washington, who I'm a big fan of, didn't. Uh, he played all right. E.J. Montgomery, the, uh, the, the big thing about Zion was what he did to E.J. Montgomery, who's like, uh, he's not bigger than Zion, but he's bigger in a different way. He's taller, longer, and he's not, I mean, he's not a, he's not one of these lean, lanky guys, and he was just getting destroyed by Zion every time he got a, got the ball on him. So, um, we were going to do this last week, uh, but, uh, well wishes to Francesco Puglisi and his ear infections. How's he doing, man? Doing better?
1: He's good, man. We had soccer practice tonight. He's back at it. Uh, you know, so all he's right. doing all right. Playing he's with, a he's a tough little dude.
0: Playing with pain. Playing through injury. I like it. So uh, we were going to do Duke Duke as part of our uh, team player rankings. Uh, instead, we're going to do him this week after we saw him play once, which is kind of unfair, but whatever. I'm going to do what I want to do because it's my goddamn show. See, I'm getting, I'm, I'm making progress. Anyways, uh, number five is going to be. Uh, uh, it looks like it's going to be Trey Jones, uh, the fourth of the Fab Five. Um, so, Trey Jones. Uh, one thing I heard uh, on another show somewhere, I believe it was Gary Parrish who said this is that all five of the guys uh, are four of the guys on the floor. All four of their freshmen can rebound and go and Trey, Trey Jones. That's his job. And, but I was surprised to see him hit a few threes in that game. If I'm not mistaken. And really he's, he's going to be kind of the equivalent of a game manager in football uh, of a quarterback. If, if I'm not mistaken, um, he is not Tyus. He's a little bit more athletic. If I'm not right, is that the, that's the rap on him, right? Yeah, I mean he's not Tyus. Tyus was in the crowd cheering him on that night. Uh, but Trey Jones is number five. Uh, what, what's your opinion of Trey Jones?
1: Yeah, I mean he's averaging seven points, seven assists. He's only turned the ball over twice in two games. So uh, I don't know what he did. He's done tonight. He, you know. uh Great compliment guy. I, in my opinion, he's not a NBA guy right now. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good fit for these other this other group that's very dynamic. Um, I think he blends in well and he is a bit of a bust out guard, you know and, and and that's a good thing. you know he can he can grab it although he doesn't get a lot of chances to grab it, but he can grab it he can push and he can kick out the floor excuse me, up the floor, and he's willing to. And I think that's an important piece to what he's doing. He hasn't really shown a great ability to play um, and finish around the rim. I think he's, you know, um, he's struggled a little bit there, but um, it's hard – when you have three super dynamic guys to not want to do a little bit more. And I think he's probably in that position right now. Um, But a good player, and and he's doing a good job as a freshman point guard. I mean, that's not an easy job. So, you know, I give him some props.
0: You ranked Alex O'Connell ninth, and you're hair biased. Um, Number four is Javin Delorier, who I think – can come out of this season with a lot of draft buzz I think because he's a really nice player he's one of these players like Marcus Bolden who has chosen to take his 12 to 15 uh he's playing a little bit more than that because he's got to play center but Jack White's even stealing his minutes now but Javin Delorier is choosing to take his 12 to 15 minutes or whatever he gets a night and and do what he does with them and I mean, this guy's 6'11", that plays the three. You know, and these are dimensions that you don't really see out of, out of. I mean, those are NBA dimensions. Those are above average to to elite NBA dimensions. Now, he has a jump shot problem. Probably, He's, I don't know if he has a jump shot problem. He's just not a great shooter. But I'm. I mean, I I just love the. The way this team is built, really, to get out in transition and score 118 points on Kentucky um, is really what what makes this team good. And DeLaurier is good at bringing that energy off the bench. What's your take on DeLaurier?
1: Yeah, I'm not as high on him as you are. Um you know, But I, I don't think it's a great fit for him um, in, in terms of his skill set playing with this team. I think it would have been more a fit last year um, with Wendell Carter and Beasley kind of playing that two-block setup. Um, if he would have gotten some run last year, um, I think he would have fit in better than that. I don't think he's anything but a four or five because um, he's long and he's lanky and he doesn't have a ton of skills. So I don't know how he plays anywhere else on the floor. but. He can run. He can jump. Um, I think he can be a roll guy. I think he can be a finisher around the rim. I mean, he's only taken one shot this year before tonight. I don't know again what his stats are um, tonight, but uh, you know, I, I think he's I think he's a serviceable guy who has some upside, and that's probably I you know I don't want to speak for you, but probably what you see him in him more than anything is his upside is there. I mean. From a length and body standpoint, you just can't teach what he has. So, um, I'm more of a Bolden fan. Um, I think he does other things better than Delorier, but I I, I see what you what you see in him, and um, you know, I, I think he's he's serviceable, especially with the role that he's playing. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I I mean, I just think Bolden's out there because he's they I, I he's getting his. Time taken away from Jack by Jack White. I, I, I'd be interested to see what the numbers are tonight, because you know, or whatever. I, I want to see him play another. I, I'm I'm reserving all judgment on this team until the ACC schedule comes and they start playing yeah. really really good players. But we'll move on to number three, which is kind of a little foreshadowing for whenever the hell the board gets published. Um, R.J. Barrett is the seen that no it's not consensus I have him number two John has him number three which I was surprised to see but I have problems with R.J. Barrett being the like this consensus number one overall pick um, I think that it's short sighted in the way it was with Marvin Bagley last year it really reminds me a lot of Harrison Barnes going into his freshman year at north carolina um where i i would be on message board saying like like hold on like you know he's like maybe I, I i think he's like the five maybe the four five six best player maybe and people would just ah you're crazy you're crazy i'm like yeah, yeah i'm not calling him a bad player or a bad prospect but like to just consensusly put him up there when you have a guy who is a a real unicorn in Zion Williamson and a more skilled player than him on his team. So I, I agree. I I came really close to putting Barrett third too. I think he and Zion are kind of a, kind of a, kind of a mesh like Barrett's more skilled Zion kind of more like unicorn. y like if, if you're looking to find somebody that you'll never see again, and, and pick that and hope for the best with it, maybe you'll get that. So, I don't know. What do you think about Barrett? Also, he needs to hit his free throws. If he, if he, he shot poorly from the line, he's going to get hacked the hell out with the way he flies to the rim like that. He needs to make his free throws, and he needs to finish through through contact also. Now I'll give you the floor on RJ Barrett. Oh, and Canada, 2024 20, gold medal.
1: Um, listen, I think like, I'm not an RJ Barrett dog. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say the kid's not um, super uber talented because he is, but, um, I don't think the qualities he has make him the best player in the country and the best pro prospect. I think the qualities that he has make him um, a, a guy who will be successful at the next level. Um, but he's not a superstar to me at the next level. I think it's for a number of reasons. One, I don't think his jump shot translates to the NBA line, and I think he's going to struggle as he has to continue to step farther back and knock down shots. Two, I don't think he's as athletic as people want to make him out to be. I don't think he finishes like that type of athlete. I think he's good in the open court, but I don't think he's a rise above you type athlete. Um, and I don't think he's you know, I've heard comparisons to like Ben Simmons and things like that. He's not that he's not his body. He's not his All athletic ability
0: aren't the same guys.
1: Right. And and, you know, I really think, you know, he, he's hit a couple threes, but I don't think his shot translates. Um, and I also totally question him in the pick and roll game. We haven't seen it a ton, but in the stuff that I've watched, I think he's a, a fairly solid passer. But I think he really struggles making the reads necessary that an elite guard needs to make to play in the pick and roll at the next level. Um, you know, and 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 so that's where I sit on him. Um, I think he's a really talented guy, but um, I don't think his skills make him the most elite player in the draft. I think they make him one of the top prospects in the, in, in the NBA draft for next year. But, um, I don't think it's clear cut by any means. And, uh, I have, I have had more, um, I've been more tickled by the next two guys on our list or, you know, and, and in my opinion, um, number two and number one, than I have by, by have been by Barrett. And I went in thinking, you know, this was going to be the guy. And i watched the film and i watched the breakdowns and, um, I think differently after two games
0: I also do number two ended up being Zion Williamson by a vote um, it ended up being that RJ Barrett vote you moving him down to third um, anyways number two Zion Williamson a unicorn at 66285 um look he impressed me if he can if he can hit that standstill three like he did and if he can uh, Make some of the playmaking in the open court that he did. If he's coming at you like a bull and you have to worry about him dishing off to a wing, you, I mean, that's going to be pretty unstoppable at any level, really. And that's what caught me out of those two things. And also, his ability to, he, he was pretty solid defensively. He can move his feet better. But I, like, I can legitimately see him. I make a lot about people who compare to Draymond Green, like he his his IQ has a long way to go to be Draymond Green. But I can see Zion playing the five in the modern NBA, and and being able to kind of bully people off the block, and with his wingspan being what it is, just because he's six six doesn't mean that. He can't guard somebody now. I, I mean, I think he's more ideally a four, but, you know, that that was also Draymond Green. So tell me what you, – you have Zion number one, so tell me what you see in Zion's game through these couple games. Yeah,
1: um, I've been most impressed with the things that I didn't know. Um, the things I didn't know were his ability to put the ball on the deck um his ability to make plays off the bounce and, and the wiggle that he had to him mm-hmm. he's actually changed speeds in the half court much better than i thought he would the yeah. i thought he was a full speed guy full speed full speed full speed speed mm-hmm. try and run people down uh bowl people over but he actually has wiggle to his game mm-hmm. and i for me that's a that's an important piece to how he's going to play. Now, a little physics lesson, obviously. So 6'6", 285, your center of gravity is lower. It makes you, you know, let's call you 2X stronger. At 6'10", 300, you have a higher center of gravity, and you're not as strong as someone who's 6'6", 285. I don't think he has a problem guarding at the next level because his 6'6", 285 yeah. is a whole different level than anyone else's in the world. This is, right. to me, the most impressive human specimen that's ever played basketball um, and and not his skill. I'm not talking about skill. I'm talk- not talking about that. I'm talking about the way he does things, the mm. power at which he brings things, and now what I'm seeing is a step-through game, a step-step game mm. in the post some some touch around the rim, and I do think that his shot translates better than I thought it might. Mm. Um, and, nice and I think stroke. I think it's it's been a nice short stroke, and it's a spot stroke, which is fine. He can be a spot mm. up catch and shoot guy, um, but he can guard those other guys one through five on a switch at the next level. So um, I don't know. I've just been really impressed by him. I I, I don't think I, I did not want to buy into this. I didn't I didn't think that this would be my thought after watching him play in college. I, I completely um, agree with you too. I didn't think but, it would man. be
0: either. Yeah. Um and also I don't know how I missed out on the Charles Barkley comps, like, but they're real. They I mean, like you said with the step through game, the 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 step and step in the post, stuff like that, you know, even ability to step out, catch a three shoot it, stand in, it might not look the prettiest, you know, rebound the ball. Listen, this guy is going to
1: get stuff done, Dougie. Like, I just don't – I think at the next level he's going to get stuff done. I would love to see him with a dynamic guy who play this way, like, you know, and – Russell
0: Westbrook or something. Yeah,
1: like Russell Westbrook or even, like, if he could could play with Trey Young, the way Trey Young's been playing – and and that kind of stuff. I think that that's a really good look. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But um, you know, I was I was very impressed. I was really excited to watch in the last couple
0: couple games. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see him go up against some of these ACC guys too. Um, number one was Cam Reddish. That was your number two guy. My number one guy. Um, I am just. Uh, a six, seven guy who can shoot and put it on the deck to me. He's kind of my safe pick right now. I, I reserve judgment to be, I I reserve the ability to change my judgment to Zion if I want to. Um, but as if, if I had to take right now or when I made this list, I would take cam reddish just because he has to complete offensive package and it's already there. Um, and he's six seven so he should be able to guard the the wings. Um one thing I don't like is that you're probably not gonna see him get the toughest defensive assignments. They're gonna they're gonna wanna uh you know, shield him from those. I think those will go to Zion or those will go to whoever, Javin, or Jack White, maybe even, uh and Barrett, whatever. But um he's the complete package offensively and he's six seven six eight still probably still growing um he he was so quiet in the way he dropped like what 25 or 27 on Kentucky it was like he didn't even do it I, I, I like I don't remember I was watching the game with my son and I saw him hit a three at the beginning of the game and I don't really remember him making another shot I I mean, I got a four-year-old, so I'm looking away a lot. But I saw a lot of Zion shots, and I saw a lot of RJ Barrett, you know, slashing to the line and getting hacked across the arm and missing free throws. But I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the quiet score and like I said, I reserve judgment. This is a very hasty number one for me in Cam Reddish, but I I, I don't think you could go wrong if. You know, if you have, I mean, if you have the number two or three pick, he's he's not going to fall below that. I think, in my opinion, I think Barry has I, the ability to do I that. I agree.
1: The only reason that. He's number two on my board. Not number one is because of how impressed I've been with Zion Williamson. Right. Um, And and I have been saying that with you too. And and go back go back to the tape. I've been saying from the jump that I thought Cam Reddish was the best NBA prospect on Duke's roster. I've said that multiple times. I've told anyone who will listen that I thought he was a better pro than RJ Barrett. That is that is facts. Um, I love his stroke. Love his stroke. Um, I think he fits very well. That's the one thing I would say is like I He's not a overpowering personality, which is why I think that RJ Barrett and Zion get a little bit more pub than he does. He's a little bit more quiet. You know he sits in the three in in the corner and he shoots threes. And you know, but this dude's skill set is super high level. I, he's the best passer on this dude team. Yeah. And he doesn't get in pick and rolls because the ball isn't getting stopped to the point where it gets to him to be in a pick and roll. They're playing five out open concepts. They're doing a lot more just off wiggle and off bounce. Um, and but he's the best passer in the on this team at six seven six eight. He's also the best shooter, and he's got legit range at his weight. I think he and height. I think he's a more skilled perimeter guy than Brandon Ingram, who's the number two pick of the Lakers. Right. And I don't think they're the same by any means. But I think he's more skilled perimeter wise. Right. I, lo- I really liked Brandon Ingram coming out. So um, I I still think he's. You know, probably the best like overall prospect. I think that Zion Williamson excites me more than anyone else, which is why I put him at the top of my board, and I love it.
0: All right. Really quick before I drop the beat on these suckers, what, what, is, what is Kay doing differently? I've been watching the, uh, the, the little uh, uh, online series that they have. Uh, I think it's like Achieve Greatness or some cheesy name. What is what is K doing different with this roster of freshmen that he has coaching-wise that he, that I mean, you know, we all know he went to zone last year, which is something he never does. What is K doing different a little bit this year that you haven't really seen from him? Because he's shown a very, very unique ability to adapt that most coaches at his age don't have usually, if, that, if I said that right
1: i think part of it is the personality of the of the freshman i think with with zion williamson and his uber dynamic personality the way he plays on the court um rj barrett has a similar personality um i think that allows for coach k to let these guys play some more and really try and dominate from the jump i mean he, you've never seen a guy maybe you know maybe um, Chris Weber did it a little bit, maybe some other freshmen have, but you, you've rarely ever seen a guy dominate from the time he stepped on the court from the jump the way Zion Williamson does. So I I think that allows that allows coach K to open no. things up and know that these guys are just not going to lose. Yeah. And so what's going to be interesting is when it comes down to actual, um, having to make plays in the half court, having to run stuff. They're very much just open concepts, a lot of um, drive, drift, um, a lot of stuff that's based off of space um, and, you know, what like we refer to as a shallow cut, um, uh, driving off a guy's ass and playing kind of in, in that type of um, off-the-bounce opportunity. Um, but, you know, you watch what they're doing. They're playing five out. They're setting some balls Screens, but they're primarily going quick early actions and transition and and playing, you know, on bust outs from these guys who can all drive the ball and dribble. I mean, you know, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about him drawing up a bunch of shit and, and saying, hey, we're gonna run this, this, and this. now he's saying get the ball, push, throw it up the sideline, let's play in transition and let's make plays for each other. Um, which I was looking at the stats, so give me a second, let me pull it up. I mean, 46 assists and 16 turnovers in two games um, you know 23 to 8 assisted turnovers on an average um, that's pretty impressive and I think says a lot about uh, who they are and what they've done and I really think he's allowed them to play a lot more than he ever has before even with some of the super legit teams that he's had um, so my take
0: yeah um, you know what Uh, it's a really good series. It's on ESPN plus it's called earn everything. I I would suggest if you, if you want a better look into the Duke program, um, they showed a fourth of July party at coach K's house. That looked pretty lame. Uh, uh, you know, but they showed his coaching, you know, and he said, the first thing everybody has to do is be able to hit a standstill three. And it looks like every single person that was on that list can do that. Uh, now that I saw Zion do it in a game. Uh, and, yeah, so um, just be on the lookout. Uh, Michael is out. Our, our CEO, Michael, is out in San Diego making making moves to get this damn site up. But until then, we're going to keep talking shit into the mic. John?
1: Hey, John Puglisi, give me a follow. Appreciate
2: Hi. y'all. Nationwide West? At Mad White West. Quick recap. Duke wins by 38. Cam Reddish only three points.
0: They scored 13 in the first half. He's probably sad. True. Anyways.
1: We all can have an off day, Dougie.
0: Food for thought. Today was my off day. I woke up at fucking five thirty in the morning and until I dropped that S bomb, John almost caught me in the in the last down the stretch. Five? You, I had five? You almost caught me down the stretch. Five. Oh, yeah, I think you had three and a half. I had one. No, I, I said, said shit at the end. And you said ass, too. You are guarding the ass. I don't know about Who that. Who guards asses? That's the question <laughs> we closed this show with. Who guards asses? People that get blown by. Black that, damn it. Let the beat go.